different places, but we're going to be in Ezekiel a good bit. We're going to pick up, I'm going to kind of review, and I'm going to be short on time tonight. We're going to get through a little bit of a review, and we will not get through. Different night, but we're going to pick up where we left off about a month ago. And I don't know if any of you in here would remember what was the last thing we did. Does anybody remember the last thing we were talking about? Okay, that's, that's about what I figured. So I, I, y'all didn't disappoint me because I figured that's exactly... It's hard to remember what, uh, does anybody remember what you had for breakfast last, t- this morning? Yeah, so maybe you remember that, but for, for me, it's like that, that might even be a struggle. So I know going back a month. Well, we were, we're talking about the signs of the times, and uh, we've been looking at um, different, different things that, that are these signs. And the one that we're on, the one we were on a few weeks ago, was Russia. So we're going to go back and just do a quick review of what we talked about four weeks ago. And, and um, I don't know, I may not even review. I may just kind of work through it again. And uh, that way it'll be fresh and we'll know where we're at. Okay, so Ezekiel 38. Let me, let me read verses 1 through 6. I'm going to read this. So now the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, set your face against Gog in the land of Magog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, uh, Meshach and Tubal, and prophesy against him. And say, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Gog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, Meshach, and Tubal. I will turn you around, put hooks into your jaws, and lead you out with all your army, horses, and horsemen, all splendidly clothed, a great company with bucklers and shields, all of them handling swords. Persia, Ethiopia, and Libya are with them, all of them with shield and helmet, Gomer and all its troops, the horse of uh, Togermah from the, from the far north and all its troops. Uh, many people are with you. Those six verses there, when we look at that, what we're, what we're going to find here is um, it, it, we're going to be talking about the bear. We're talking about Russia. So, you know, Russia symbolized today. We talk about Russia symbolized by the bear, right? The Russian bear. Well, folks, the bear is waking up from hibernation. You know, it seems like there's, there was great victory, the fall of the Soviet Union, and, and uh, you know, it looked like there for a while that, that the, Soviet, the former Soviet Union and Russia itself were actually going to go toward capitalism, and there were some looks of that. They were trying to do some different things and new things, and then you get, you get the guy that's in there now, Putin, who, you know, what is he, he likes to, he likes to go shirtless and, uh, you know, and ride polar bear. I don't know if he rides bears or what, but I've seen him on horseback and stuff. But he likes to, he likes to portray himself as just some, he's just, I mean, he's a world leader. So, you know, those guys are eat up with ego. But, but Putin desires to, to uh, return to the glory of the former Soviet Union. That's what, he, that's what he wants. There would be no secrets. That's when he came into power that was still in place. And, and it fell in, and not when he became the, the head guy, but that was, he was rising to power. You imagine he had desires of being over that entire Soviet Union, the USSR, all those republics that came together as a part of that. And uh, he wants to put that back together. And we see the things that when you look at that and you look at how he's moving in that today, we find that and we see that that's what it, what's going on. He wants to bring back that prominence. And the, uh, the opportunity, you'd have to think from his perspective, is now. He's got, you know, when, when you have weakness in certain areas, that, that's going to be filled in other ways. And, and, and there's no doubt that right now what he sees, what he perceives is weakness on the side of America. 
Um, you know, Reagan always said, you know, you have, uh, you have peace by, was it peace by strength? You know, when you have strength, there can be peace because, you know, nobody wants to mess with you when you're the big boy and they know that, you know, you got the, the, you're the big boy and you ain't afraid to exert your strength. Well, we don't have that now. I don't think we have the will in that in, in, our, in office. Well, whether we think that or not, I think that's what he thinks is that we don't have the will to stand. And so he's beginning to move in some different ways. And so he's got, he's got America where it is today. He's got the Middle East, that the, the order there that is, that is disintegrating constantly. It's a constant struggle, but there's, there's a, a digression there in the Middle East. And so what's going to keep him from trying? And why not? If, you, if that's what you're desiring, why would you not? And so, and so we, we, we know from these scriptures that Russia is going to be a power again. There's going to be a time they're going to have this power, and that's what we're seeing here. So is the, the, is, is, is the Russia threat real? So our biblical evidence points to a resounding yes. When we read the scriptures, what we see here from this is we're going to, we're going to understand or come to a place of understanding that Russia is one day going to ignite a world war like none before. And that's hard for us to imagine when you know the history of World War I, you know the history of World War II. I mean, we went through an entire century of, of it seemed like just war, 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 war. And, and even now in our new century, there's, there's, not, there's not much difference. There's just fights and fights and fights. There's going to be more of that. And we got to, be, we got to know that that's what's coming. So we see this Russian aggression, and when we go back here into Ezekiel, we find this, that, that about 2,500 years ago, God inspired Ezekiel to write of Russia's return to power in the latter days. So in Ezekiel 38 and 39, he described the invasion of Israel by 10 entities, including Russia and a coalition of mostly Islamic nations. Now, we went through those, and we'll go through this again quickly. So the, the third name in Ezekiel's list of 10 names is Rosh, R-O-S-H, Rosh. And it identifies the nation ruled by the leader of the coalition that will attack Israel. Now, there's two reasons to believe that Rosh is modern-day Russia. And the first we talked about was that it's just the phonetics of it, the phonetic similarity, and how often in history of languages, the words that get changed, it's, it's, you'll have this, basically the same consonants. You'll get some vowels changed. So if you take Rosh and you put where the O is, you put a, a, a U in, what do you have? You have rush. So now you have the sound rush, and that's the, the very root of modern-day Russia. So the phonetic similarity gives us reason to believe that. And then the scriptures refer to the location of Israel as the middle of the earth. So in, in scripture, when we speak of Israel, geographically, it's always going to be the center. I think I was sharing with you how when you read in scripture, if you've never noticed this, now you'll never not notice it. But when you read about them going to Jerusalem, they're always going, who, who, who knows? They're always going up. They're always going up to Jerusalem. So sometimes when you read it, now, if, if Christ is coming down from the Sea of Galilee, we might would write that and say that he was going down to Jerusalem. That's the way we would give direction. But Jerusalem is lifted up. And it is also considered a, a high place spiritually. They are always going up. Now, if you're coming from the Dead Sea, you're certainly coming up. If you're coming from Bethlehem, you're coming up. But even if you're coming from Galilee, when you come into Jerusalem, you're coming up. When we were over there in Israel, every time we came into Jerusalem, we were, we were coming up. You're rising into the city. And that's an amazing thing even today. An amazing thing when you ride into Jerusalem at night and you see the... The light shining. I mean, you just picture you picture that even from thousands of years ago. Uh, it's an amazing thing. But the scriptures talk about Israel as the middle of the earth. 
So in Ezekiel 5, 5, it says, Thus says the Lord God, this is Jerusalem. I have set her in the midst of the nations and the countries all around her. So when we have geographical directions in prophecy, they are referenced to the position of Israel. So that's what we look at in Scripture. So when we, when we have a direction that says something from the east or from the north or from the west, and you go, well, where, where, where is that? What's that? What's, how's our compass? How do we do it? You always go from the reference of, of Israel is in the middle. Israel is center, the heart of that. So if it says from the north, then you're looking at the north from Israel. You're looking at the east from Israel, the west from Israel, whatever it would be. And so, so it, it, well, I just talked about the going up to Jerusalem. So Daniel describes the leader who would lead an attack against Israel in the latter days as the king of the north. That's in Daniel 11, 5 through 35, talks about that, the king of the north. And Ezekiel says the invading armies will come to Israel from the far north. That's Ezekiel 38. We saw it in verse 6. It says there in verse 6 right there, we just read it. It says, Gomer and all the, its troops, the house of Togarmah, from the far north and all its troops, many people are with you. So there's, the, there's the, um, those coming from the far north, and then verse 15, we see that also. So only one country occupies a geographical position to the far north in relation to Israel, and that nation is, is Russia. And so Ezekiel's Rosh, we can deduct from this, is today's Russia. It's, it's that country. So we talk about here, what we begin to see is this Russian alliance. And, it, and, and so we're going to look at those nine nations that are listed here in the scriptures that make up this alliance, this, this team, this alliance, or whatever, you know, alliance, coalition, whatever word you, you, want, to, you want to use. But it's these, these, these nine names that go in here. So the commander of the alliance, Ezekiel 38, 1, Now the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, set your face against Gog. Of the land of Magog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal, and prophesy against him. So Gog here, what we what we talked about in, in reminder is that Gog refers to a person, not a nation. Gog is not a country here. Magog is a, is a nation, but but Gog is is a word that means like high or supreme. So when it's talking about Gog, scholars say that Gog is not a personal name, but a title like president or pharaoh. So it's Gog. So Gog is the leader of the armies to invade Israel, and God commands him to be on guard. In verse 7 here in chapter 38, it says, Prepare yourself and be ready, you and all your companies that are gathered about you, and be a guard for them. It's interesting, and I've talked about that, and we'll talk about it more, but God is talking here to Gog. He's talking to this ungodly leader. That's That's the prophecy God is speaking to him here. So let's look at those countries. Magog... It comes from Genesis 10 too. The sons of Japheth were Gomer and Magog. So it's the second son here, second son of Japheth, the, the grandson of Noah. And most believe that Magog founded as the domain of the Scathians who lived in the mountains around the Black and Caspian Seas. Well, if you're familiar with the geography there, when you get up to the Black and the Caspian Seas, you're in the home of the Stans there. That's the Stan area. That's Kazakhstan and then Kyrgyzstan. And as you go further to the east, you have Uzbekistan and Turkmenistan is there and Tajikistan, maybe Afghanistan. I'm not sure that Afghanistan would want to be one of those. Um, in our modern time, Afghanistan was, they was never a part of the, the Soviet Union. Um, in fact, Russia tried, they invaded them. They never conquered them. Um, like, the, you know, that, that's happened a lot. That's a country that you don't just go in there in that mountainous area and just take over things. Um, so all except Afghanistan are former states or, or are states of the former Soviet Union. And the one thing they have in common today is Islam. 
all of those nations, even Tajikistan, and we've heard, y'all know a little more about Tajikistan now from our guests that were here several, a couple months ago. Um, they are a, as an Islamic republic. And then they'll tell you that they have religious freedom. That's what the country will tell you. That's what their government will say. We are an Islamic republic and that they have religious freedom. But it's illegal to pass out literature. So I couldn't go and give someone a Bible. I can't go and give someone a tract. I can talk to someone. But even if I got on the street and started, I was going to street preach. That, that would be legal in their system until someone complained. And then they could legally come and shut it down because you're disrupting the peace. So they've got strong, strong control in their laws, even though they say that there's peace. But even a country like that that has that peace is, is, is Islamic to its really to its core. It's an Islamic. And as they were sharing with us, they've really even the Islam part of it is rearing its head more uh, in the in these latter days. Uh, really trying to push back on anything that's not of a certain branch of Islam that's in that country. So there's a combined population of over 60 million people in those areas right there. The next here is the Meshach and Tubal. That's the fifth and sixth sons of Japheth. And Schofield, C.I. Schofield believes they established cities bearing the names of Moscow and Tobol, Tobolsk, Tobol, Tobolsk, T-O-B-O-L-S-K. I don't speak Russian, so I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that right. Tobolsk. Tobol, I think that's right. Um, so there are others who would identify these areas as areas in Turkey, but Schofield says he believes that those are areas in, in Russia, that, that Moscow and Tobolsk, that are cities, prominent cities in Russia, modern-day Russia. Then you have Persia. Uh, Ezekiel 38.5 lists Persia there and then Ethiopia and Libya. But Persia, which changed its name to... Does anybody, Remember, Iran in 1935, then changed again in 79 to the Islamic Republic of Iran. So we're seeing a common theme here. There's a lot of Islamic nations that are involved in this coalition. And it's what we see today. I mean, you see this today. Russia has a strong alliance with all those areas. Number one, most of those we just talked about were parts of the former Soviet Union. And they still have strong relationships. Iran, we know, has strong relation with Russia and with Putin. And uh, it's one of those mutually disbeneficial relationships to the rest of the world, their relationship with each other. But they're, they're scratching each other's back and getting stronger in certain ways. And it's, it's, it's not good for the rest of the world. But Iran and Russia will be the leading forces in the final attempt to wipe Israel off the map. Russia has never cared for Israel. I, I, Iran hates Israel. So you got a coalition there and, and those partnerships, you know, sometimes somebody could go, that's not a big deal. Even if Russia said it's not a big deal to me, you come into a partnership with Iran and Iran says we want them wiped out. And, and you get that kind of a relationship where, where we're, we're giving you oil. If you want to continue to get this oil, you're going to help us do that. So you can see how they can influence another nation to do something they may not even be interested in doing, but how those things can come about. So Iran today wields great and wicked influence in the Middle East and in the West. Then there's listed there, and that's again in verse 38, verse, uh, chapter 38, verse 5, Persia, then Ethiopia. And Ethiopia was founded by Cush, the grandson of Noah, through Ham. And that's found in Genesis 10, 6. The sons of Ham were Cush, uh, Mizraim, Put, and Canaan. Now, when the prophecy was made, Ethiopia was the land south of Egypt. And if you remember, I was sharing before that today that, that that region is the country of Sudan. So when you start looking at this and you read Ethiopia, 
What was Ethiopia then is not Ethiopia of today. Ethiopia of today is in a different location. Probably was all one big Ethiopia, but what that was identified then is now modern day. That part south of Egypt is Sudan. Well, if you know about Sudan, Sudan is another enemy of Israel. They, they don't like Israel at all. So, um, and it's, it, it, it's uh, right along there with Iran. It's, it's one of Israel's greatest enemies. Then we have Libya. Libya is one of the few, if not the only one, that has the, still has the same name. So Genesis 10, 6, the son of Ham was, was Cush, Mizraim, Put, and Canaan. So it's west of Egypt, if you know where Libya is. It's the only country in Ezekiel's list that has its ancient name, and it is the same Libya that's there today. Um, so it's an Islamic nation, also a friend of Russia, and these countries continue in that, that country today. Libya, if you follow the history there, remember who was in power? Qaddafi. I mean, he was, a, he was like Saddam Hussein. It's amazing the, the dictators, just the tyrants who were over those countries just 20, 30 years ago. Um, Saddam Hussein and the, the, the way they ruled with just an iron fist and any enemies, they took them out. Uh, Gaddafi was the same way. And when they overturned him, I mean, they took out their revenge on him. The videos of that, when they, when they did that, were just, oh, it was, I knew what he had done. It was still as gross to watch what they did to him. Um, but that country today is still in civil war. They're still battling there, and there's street violence, and the government is renewing their ties with Russia, hoping to purchase military armaments. So they're, they're trying to strengthen their relationship with Russia. They want to get things so that then they can get a better control over things there in the country from, from the uh, government standpoint. Then you have Gomer. In Genesis 10-2, the sons of Japheth were Gomer. We've already mentioned Gomer. So here's Gomer, first son of Japheth. And some believe because of the similarities in the name that Gomer was the founder of the nation that is now Germany. And then that puts in, when you look at Germany, if that's the case, you bring in Europe. So now we've got Russia. We've got these other countries of the former Soviet Union. We've got those countries south of there. You've got Libya. You've got, you got um, uh, the, uh, uh, Sudan. And, and if Germany is that country, then, then you're bringing in possibly all of the coalition of Europe in the European Europe or European Union. So you've got that possibility there with Gomer. And then there's Togarma. Genesis 10.3 says the sons of Gomer were Ashkenaz, Rephath, and Togarma, and the third son of Gomer. And Ezekiel located this nation for us, and we see in 38.6, Gomer and all its troops, the house of Togarma from the far north and all its troops, many people are with you. So some commentaries identify Togarma with Turkey. And that would make sense. And we see even today, you know, here's Turkey that was a, uh, an ally, really. And they still, I guess, would be today with, with, with the, the West. And yet they're pulling away. They're, they're identifying more and more with Russia and with, with Iran and, and uh, those nations there. So there's a, they put, we see a pulling away, a moving, a shifting of where Turkey is geopolitically. So it's, it's possible that Turkey is in that as well. So according to what we're looking at here, Russia and Turkey will lead the coalition. They will be joined by uh, Iran from the east, Sudan and Libya from the south, and possibly Germany from the west in the form of a revived European coalition or the European Union, which we had talked earlier, being this new Roman Empire, being that last, that final defeat 
of, the, of this image that we've seen of, in this Babylon, this image and the, 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 the series of nations. And, and we find that last part where we were talking about the, the clay and the iron that is together and how that doesn't stick together strongly. So it's strong and yet it's weak. And that's what we're finding here with this new, this new Roman Empire. So Ezekiel 38, 9 You will ascend, coming like a storm, covering the land like a cloud, you and all your troops and many peoples with you. And so this is truly a bleak outlook for little, lowly Israel. I mean, every time there's been a battle that Israel's had to fight, they're always outnumbered. They're a little bitty nation. I I should should look and see what they would compare with. I mean, size-wise, they couldn't be much bigger than... New Jersey, New Hampshire, something, yeah, something like that. It's a small nation. You go up there, we've gone from the farthest tip, and we didn't go all the way further, the, you know, the Israel comes down, there's the part that goes way down into the desert, but we've been to the Dead Sea, all the way up to uh, the Sea of Galilee, it's 60, 80 miles. We drive it in an afternoon, and, and it, it's a little bitty nation. And, and every time they're, they're, they've faced Battles, a faith opposition. I mean, it's it's huge. If they've got a problem with Jordan, everybody and his brother around there is joining in, and so they're always outnumbered. They're always being ganged up on, and so when this happens, you look at this. You look at this coalition that we've just named: all of Russia, all of the. It looks like a revived Soviet Union. All of that. You got Iran. You've got Turkey. You've got maybe all of Europe is involved with this as well. You got the Sudan coming up. You and. There's other countries that could be in on this as well. There's no reason to believe that, that if Sudan is in there, that maybe Egypt doesn't jump in with them. There's all this, Syria, all of that right there. There's so many of those nations that may be in there as well. But it doesn't look good for, for, um, for Israel. I mean, it just looks like another hopeless situation, which when you know the story, you almost go, oh, yeah, all right. That just That just sets it up. This is... This is Alabama with, I'm sorry. It's Alabama with a five-point lead with 10 minutes to go. Got them right where we want them. Now, that's, that's, not, that's not what it is. Um, so let's look at this, this Russian attack. And so when we look in Ezekiel and we pick up in verse 7 through 17, Ezekiel listed here the allies. Now he describes the invasion. Verse 7, he says, Prepare yourselves and be ready. You and all your companies that are gathered about you and be a guard for them. After many days you will be visited. In the latter years you will come into the land of those brought back from the sword and gathered from many people on the mountains of Israel, which had long been desolate. They were brought out of the nations and now all of them dwell safely. You will ascend, coming like a storm, covering the land like a cloud. You and all your troops and many peoples with you. Remember, God is talking here to Gog. This is who he's talking to. He's talking about what he's going to do. Gog and this coalition. Thus says the Lord God. On that day it will come to pass that thoughts will arise in your mind and you will make an evil plan. You will say, I will go up against a land of unwalled villages. I will go to a peaceful people who dwell safely, all of them dwelling within walls and having neither bars nor gates to take plunder and to take booty. 
to stretch out your hand against the waste places that are against inha- are again inhabited and against a people gathered from the nations who have acquired livestock and goods who dwell in the midst of the land. Sheba, Dedan, and the merchants of Tarshish and all their young lions will say to you, Have you come to take plunder? Have you gathered your army to take booty, to carry away silver and gold, to take away livestock and goods, and take great plunder? Therefore, son of man, prophesy and say to Gog, Thus says the Lord God, On that day when my people Israel dwell safely, will you not know it? Then you will come from your your place out of the far north, you and many peoples with you, all of them riding on horses, a great company and a mighty army, army. And you will come up against my people Israel like a cloud to cover the land. It will be in the latter days that I will bring you against my land. That's interesting. God says here, I will bring you against. And we're going to talk about that. But it's interesting that God, even when we read earlier, he put a hook in his mouth. He's pulling him. He's, God's going to bring him out there. He's got, a, he's got his own choices to make, but God's, God's working in him, and he's going to bring him to this place where he goes, hey, this is a good idea. And then at one point, he's going to go, this wasn't such a good idea. So you will come up against my people Israel like a cloud and cover the land. You will, you will be in the latter days. Uh, it will be in the latter days that I'll bring you up against my land so that the nations may know me when I am hallowed in you, O Gog, before their eyes. Thus says the Lord God, Are you he of whom I have spoken in former days by my servants, the prophets of Israel, who prophesied for years in those days that I would bring you against them? So this prophecy is against Russia and the invading nations. Ezekiel 38.3 and, 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 and says, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Gog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal. So when he says you here, when we're reading that, when he says you, what he is, he's talking to Russia. He's talking to Gog. He's talking to Russia. When he says they and them, he's talking about Israel in this section right here. So that, that's what he's doing. So why will Russia attack? We'll get through this and we'll be through tonight and we'll pick up and, and continue on with this. But so why, why will Russia attack? So Ezekiel gives us three reasons right here for why Russia is going to attack. You know, there's peace. There's these. The, 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 we see them in a peaceful place. But the first thing is, number one, is that they will go to seize Israel's land. Verse eleven says, "You, you will say." Stretch out your hand against the waste places that are again inhabited, 
and against the people gathered from the nations who have acquired livestock and goods who dwell in the midst of the land. So they're going, Israel at this point, and we'll talk about this more, but at this point when they're coming against Israel, Israel's a place where they've laid down arms. They're, they're, they're not defending themselves. They're unwalled people. Now I'll just tell you now, and, and, and we'll, we'll, like I said, we're going to talk more about this, but I, I, that to me blows my mind that Israel will get to that place. That tells you how strong the influence the Antichrist is going to have when he comes, and when he sets up this peace, he promises this peace, and as we were talking last time, you know, when they do away with the Dome of the Rock, because that's coming at some point, that's going to go away, and the temple's going to be rebuilt. When they bring, when they can bring that kind of a peace between the Jews and the Arabs over there, and, 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 and when they, and the Jews have their temple back, and all this has been promised on peace, and there's this look of peace, I look at this and go, how in the world could they ever get to that place where they go, oh man, we're safe. This is great. We're worshiping in the temple again. But we see that's what's going to happen because Russia is coming. They're, they see, oh, this is cherry picking. This is simple. They're not, they won't even be able to defend themselves. They lay down their arms. They're an unwalled people. They're a peaceful people. So they're going to come to seize their land. Second thing he identifies here is they're going to go to steal Israel's wealth. Verse two, uh, 12, the first part of verse 12 says to take plunder and to take booty. So they're going to come, they're going to take from them, they're going to plunder them. Um, I'm jumping ahead, but uh, I'm jumping ahead. I was going to mention there are, I believe, I, if I remember correct, there are 18 billionaires in Russia, I mean in Israel today. There are 105,000 millionaires. So if they just, if a millionaire just had a million dollars, now they probably, if they're a millionaire, they got a lot more than that, I'm sure. But then the numbers, and it crunched up to like a hundred and, it's like 125 billion dollars. Just represented in the millionaires and the, and the 18 billionaires in, in Israel. That's just those people. You got, a, you got a people that aren't defending themselves. Russia sees, we're going to go take their land, because that's easy. We're going to go plunder them. We're going to take from them. We're going to plunder them. We're going to take this booty. We're going to take this all of this gold or whatever. At the end of verse 13 says, to carry away silver and gold, to take away livestock and goods, to take great plunder. That's what they're doing. Verse 3, or, or the second, the, the third reason here is the, the great army from the north will seek to slaughter Israel's people. So if they, they want to, you know, who, who would be behind that? Well, every Islamic nation that's involved with this coalition. They would be, they would be for that. They, they today, when we talk about Palestine, and the Palestine, not Palestine, we're talking about the Palestinians. The Palestinians don't want peace. You know, we talked about before, before Israel became a nation, the Palestinians were offered the same deal to have a land there that was their own. They rejected it. Because they said, if, if Israel is going to have a land, we're not going to have any part of that. They don't want peace with Israel. They want Israel driven in the ocean, in the sea, and be done with them. That's what they want. There'll be no peace. So they're coming to, to slaughter Israel's people. Verse 16. You will come up against my people Israel like a cloud to cover the land. It will be in the latter days that I will bring you against my land. My, capital M-Y, my land, so that the nations may know me when I am hallowed in you, O God, before their eyes. So Israel has been hated 
right into this where this coalition now comes in to Israel and we have this war. And it looks hopeful. And we'll pick up there next week. But this is where we get to the but God. It's always good when there's a but God. But God. Amen? Amen. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your love and your mercy and grace in our lives. Lord, I pray you bless you, Lord, each one that's here tonight, those who are watching at home, all of our church family. Lord, especially those who are sick right now, and they would, they would prefer nothing else than to be in the house of God tonight. And yet they're sick and can't be. Lord, I pray for your hand upon them, pray healing, restoration, restore them in our fellowship, Lord. We praise you for that. Lord, help us be a blessing to someone this week. And I pray God already for Sunday, and as we as we look to uh, Sunday, sanctity of life, God, I just pray that you will help me to prepare and uh, use the message, Lord, to speak to our hearts on such a such an important issue. And uh, so, Lord, thank you already for what you're going to do. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you.